0: Hello Rachel Hi, Ryan. We are here doing something that yeah yeah i I never really thought we would be doing, which is giving our thoughts on a Babylon five reboot
1: announcement,
0: yeah, but just the the general concept of a Babylon Five reboot, so. Mm-hmm. We are here, we're recording a day or two after the big news has come out, so for context sake that is the situation because by the time this comes out there may be some new pieces of information or announcements or things that are more set in stone than where we are currently so if there are some things that we talk about in this discussion that are kind of null and void that is the 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 state of things because everything is so up in the air and unknown and speculation is everywhere and as a podcast we usually like to have all of the pieces in front of us and then discuss it but this is a special occasion we're doing babylon 5 for the main feed and people have been really keen to know our thoughts and it just feels easier and people do want to hear it in a in an episode kind of context so Here we are to give our thoughts and general opinions on a Babylon 5 reboot and the news itself. So I want to first talk about what were your opinions, what was your feeling when you heard the news? Not about the concept or anything else, when you just heard JMS is making a Babylon 5 reboot, what was your feeling? I was dubious, but
1: excited, because I trust JMS to be a good writer, and I was like, okay, I I trust that he will do right by the show, by the characters, and that he will put the writing first. Right. So... As long as he has a decent amount of control and he should have a better budget than he started with, Mm -hmm. this will be interesting. I don't know how much I'm going to love it, but it'll be really interesting to see what happens.
0: My reaction was a big sigh. Just, uh, and... I was tired. That's how I felt. I felt so tired and drained when I heard that news. And that isn't because it's bad, but because the context of having heard the news is in the past week or two, I have heard Scott Bakula saying that Quantum Leap is something that they're working towards bringing back, and I love Quantum Leap. And out of all these shows, that's the one I want to come back. And then Russell T Davies coming back to Doctor Who, which brings me a lot of joy, but also anxiety and trepidation. And then Babylon 5 doing the same thing. The old creator coming back to do the show again in in a new context. So... I was just so drained from my brain clicking into gear with all of these all of these uh, big pieces of news and information and stuff happening in the sci-fi world and in the sci-fi world that I grew up with. As well as just Star Trek in general. Star Trek in general, just every day it feels like we're getting some new piece of information about, like, here's this show and here's this cast member and oh my god. And it's kind of anxiety inducing in a lot of ways because these are shows that I love and are a huge part of my, uh, you know, media obsession. I am a big fan of Babylon 5, I am a big fan of Quantum Leap, a big fan of Doctor Who, a big fan of Star Trek. All of these things were formative in my youth, and I've seen them grow and change, whether they kept going as I grew up or me re-view, re-watching them and revisiting them when I've grown up. And so to have all three of these have either been confirmed or have the potential to come back in some way that, I was fa- that I'm familiar with them or something or other it it made me tired i was just oh my god this is this is so much to think about so it just overwhelmed you a little <clears throat> bit because of the cumulative
1: effect of all of these announcements or pre announcement mm-hmm.
0: sort of things mm-hmm. and us doing our Babylon 5 coverage Because us going through Babylon 5 one episode at a time has been a really joyous experience, and it's been great to engage with Babylon 5 fans, new and old, but now there's this feeling of... The market marketing and business side of it lurching with a new one coming in. Oh, we've got to talk about this. We've got to read these things. We've got to keep in touch of this. When we started this, obviously, we didn't know there was going to be a new B5 thing. We just did it because we wanted to do it after doing Discovery. We needed a palate cleanser, and it's a show we like. It's great that the remasters came out, so newbies are here as well. But we just like the show, and now there's this element, too, of... Now there's going to be a new thing. Are we going to be a podcast that's going to discuss these new things all that much? Or are we not going to do it? Are we going to be... And people are going to be listening and wanting to know, are you guys who are big lovers of the show, are you going to be for this or against this? Or where's your opinion? And it's like overwhelming. Overwhelming, yeah. And tiring. I was just like, oh my god.
1: I think I haven't gone down that path as much as you have. No, Partially because you think about the pod more in that way than I do because I have that luxury because you handle more of the back end stuff mm-hmm. than I do. Like I handle more of the back end stuff when it comes to our Patreon. Mm-hmm. And then when I actually read the tweets, it's just like, oh, oh like it it's in active development, which means that it's, over a year away from being anything that we'll get details about, yeah. let alone be able to see. Unless- he hasn't finished riding the pilot at this stage. And
0: that may still not even be the case because JMS has always... At least with B five, been very active in the process of creation. So whether yeah. he keeps that up or not this time around, I didn't really notice if he did that with Sense eight or not. But
1: well, it says that he's go like he's announced that he's going to be showrunner. He's mm-hmm. writing the pilot, mm-hmm. and it wouldn't really feel like Babylon five if he didn't write a lot of the scripts because. Yeah. He wrote a ridiculous mm-hmm. amount of the scripts as showrunner. And if he's coming back, and it, he's coming back. I think it also said somewhere that he's listed as a producer as well, which gives
0: him even more control. As he would be. But yeah, I was overwhelmed with a lot of feelings. One of the things that I worry about, with this and I want to talk about the positives first but just a minor thing to worry with all three of those pieces of news and let's say four with Star Trek as well I I want sci-fi but I would like new sci-fi and not new in terms of we're rehashing, we're recontextualizing reconstructing, redoing old stuff, I do want new sci-fi that generates this kind of enthusiasm and I'm glad that this is generating enthusiasm because as B5 fans, the, the benefit to this, if it does materialize and if it's good or if it's bad, is more people will be aware of Babylon 5's existence and maybe check out the old show. Maybe. Yeah,
1: but for like each positive with this thing, there is a flip side mm-hmm. because we
0: do not know how this
1: is going to pan out. Yeah. Like I said, I, I trust JMS to do the best that he can. But, like, reading over things, people are like, will this ruin the legacy of B5?
0: B5 ruined its own legacy a couple of times. Yeah. Because of stuff like the murder that was Crusade because of the network there, or whatever the fuck the leg- Legend of the Rangers was supposed to be, and the Lost Tales, so it's not as if Babylon 5 is holy, sacred it's ground, n- it's and that JMS... immaculate. No, and then and JMS is, and the fifth season as well, and it's not like as JMS is this uh, you know, uh, truly perfect writer that everything he does is divine in Babylon 5, mm-hmm. let alone his own, own work, but but Let's reel it back for a second Mm -hmm. because I'm feeling us tensing up. I want to hear from you what you're looking forward to and the positives of this being a thing that could happen.
1: I really like that he made it very clear that they're not going back. Mm. They're not trying to recapture what happened with the original series and using that imagery of, like, you can't step in the same river twice.
0: Yeah. And that's what he's saying according to his tweets is mm-hmm. he's... Going to he modelled it in a way of saying like Westworld and Battlestar Galactica in which there's gonna be many elements that you know from the original, but they're gonna be spun in a new way and there's gonna be lots of new stuff as well.
1: Yeah, because I I don't want to revisit the world and have those characters changed or their stories changed. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to get Dylan in between, like, when she just reappears on that new show and when Sheridan has disappeared and
0: to be like, oh! You just don't want the same direct story beats.
1: No, and I I don't... um, What I mean by what I just said more so is I don't want them to go in... And fill in gaps that don't need to be filled in. Yes. Like, I don't need to see Delen working with the Rangers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't feel like I really need to see mm. Admiral Ivanova.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Like, but from Claudia Christian's tweet. It sounds like she's pretty sure that she's going to be in the show. Whether she's a Vonover, though. Yeah, whether she's a not. She most or...
0: likely won't be, yeah. right? But that's yeah, but they're going to be involved because she, in some she way. She
1: made a statement about like going to be speaking the dialogue again and
0: that they're yeah. they're
1: excited by that idea. So that seems somewhat concrete.
0: Well what are some other kind of positive aspects of this and things you're looking forward to that aren't just things that you're hoping or not wanting that it will do like like what you're kind of talking about there is still like I'm glad that it mm. m- hopefully won't do yeah. the thing that I don't want it to do but like <laughs> what do you think like what are the things that you're hoping for out of this and that kind of stuff I really like that he um
1: j m s commented on how weirdly spot on some things in the original b5 are mm. and that he's like i'm I'm not gonna do that again and I'm gonna see if I can do it again for the future mm-hmm. I'm gonna try and be present for the future and keep looking forward. And I really like that idea because for me it even makes it more clear that he's not trying to recapture or just redo what he did, but just trying to write good sci-fi stories.
0: Yes. That's what I'm looking forward to is good sci-fi stories. That's the minimum. Yeah. That's the minimum I want is a good sci-fi story. I want to think about ideas philosophically through the medium of television and through the genre of science fiction. They don't have to be the same ideological ideas that were presented in the first B5, nope. but I would like to actually be able to think when I'm watching a show rather than feel like... And, not, and I want to feel stuff too, but like I do want to have an ounce of intellectualism in my sci-fi, unlike with Star Trek Discovery. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to the idea of that being a possibility again, because that's something we've been enjoying in Babylon 5 and our rewatches. Hmm. Lots of these things that get you thinking and get us talking in intellectual manners that maybe we wouldn't have thought about if we just watched them and moved on. Like with episode, like we did, uh, like uh, we got coming up, like believers, like that episode got us talking quite a bit, and so I am looking forward to just good sci- sci-fi stories. We're not, I mean, we're not going to get TKO again, which is a big disappointment. God, I hope not. Which is a big disappointment. I would really love if we got a TKO episode <laughs> again. Um, I am also looking forward to. Um, a good ensemble cast driven science fiction show mm. i hope that jms does not forget about the importance of character dynamics and interplay because yeah. that is what i come to be five for a lot as well is we the do get ensemble that of characters sense eight. We did get that in Sense Eight. We did. And I'm not saying that he can't, but I just wanna make sure he doesn't Yeah. I just wanna make sure to flag that. Like
1: that's another thing of like we have these more recent things that JMS has made, namely Sense eight. Yeah. That give me more of a sense of security Mm -hmm. of he can do this again, yeah, because he's done this in a completely different context with Sense Eight. Even mm-hmm. though, like, one of the major issues with Sense Eight is the studio interference, yeah. and it's just like you can't, you can't stop that, mm-hmm. like. Uh, He responded to one tweet being like, can you make sure that all of the seasons are greenlit, like with Babylon 5? And he's like...
0: I didn't have that ability before.
1: They weren't. We had to fight for every Every single season. season. And it's even more funny when you're aware that they had to film the finale when they were filming the end of season four, because they were were so unsure that they were going to get picked up for season five. Mm -hmm. They wanted to have that in the can in case they needed it.
0: I, with an ensemble cast, and this being modern television, right, it's got a shorter amount of episodes than the original run, all of that... What I like about an ensemble of characters is the diversity of characters, thus a diversity of stories, thus a diversity of themes that you can explore in your show. I am looking forward to that being something presented because we have had issues with that in a lot of modern sci-fi shows, not just Star Trek Discovery, but I have had that as an issue with the Orville sometimes. I have had an issue with Killjoys with that sometimes. And I hope that JMS hits that chord again as strongly as he did in the past.
1: And it'll be really interesting to see how he interweaves that Mm. in the world of Babylon 5 because those are issues and ideas and Mm. aspects of just characters being who they are that he really likes to weave in and he's going to have more flexibility to bring those aspects in. Like, I saw somebody, like, being disparaging, like, oh, like, there's going to be SJW bullshit in this show (laughs) and somebody's like, oh, there's going to be LGBTQ aliens and I was like,
0: yes! Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I... I was like, yes, I want that. Of course. With the character stuff, say, obviously if this is going to be... And again, there's lots of stuff up in the air and this may change by the time this comes out. But if this is going to be the characters we knew and their recast, I am okay with some characters not being here for the sake of the show not feeling too cluttered. Because Hmm. again... Television has changed, the landscape has changed. and, and you want
1: Keffer back? Of
0: right? course, as the main guy. <laughs> of course, him and Byron. So I, I do mean that, like as much as I love having characters like Zach Allen, mm. and I really do love Zach Allen, if you need to eject those characters for the sake of the show and the story, then that is okay by me. Because this is the most important thing, is if you're going to be doing a new thing with Babylon 5, you will have to ride that, you know, the line will have to be really trod upon of when and when not to cross over of being beholden to the old material and to the audience. And this is one of those aspects that I think needs to be firm, is we don't want to be drowned in characters because that's what's happened with Star Trek Discovery. That's what's happened with our Final Space. There's too many characters and it's that classic no one's getting fed enough material and thus all the characters feel underbaked in a lot of those shows or fighting for time. Babylon 5 even struggled with that back in its heyday. There's so many episodes without Talia Winters, to the point in which Talia Winters, by default, is one of the weakest characters because we didn't spend a lot of time with her. Yeah, That is something that I hope is understood cuz that's what I loved about Sense8 for instance we mainly focused on our eight characters and the one or two companions they they had and although that's a large cast of characters the way that show was broken up it balanced it it balanced it out and so that is something when it comes to that i'm i'm okay with in terms of change if if the show does not need to have zach allen or to have natoth or to have some of these characters that i do love in them that's okay if you do give the ones that are there substance to them that's important uh one of the things i'm also really looking forward to is space battles yeah Uh, Babylon 5, although newcomers and, you know, us oldies too, looking back, the CG isn't great, of course, but as Mm. a child, I loved the space battles, and I still do because of how inventive they Mm. were, and they didn't puss out like Star Trek. They would show you the battles, they would show you interesting military tactics and use the three dimensions, and I'm hoping with the ability to have a little bit more of a budget and with the advancements in CG, including in television... I'm really hoping to see some fun dog fights in space. Oh
1: yeah. And like I think I mentioned this before, like he wants to keep JMS wants to keep that spirit of innovation and he specifically mentioned the CGI in his tweet. So mm-hmm. I think that that we're gonna get that. It it might not necessarily be those dog fights mm-hmm. In, like, every episode, or I think it'll be scattered throughout, but I think that there'll be lots of interesting things done with the CG. And I I know our good friend Sparks will come
0: back. Sparks! Sparks that shoot out of the wall? Yeah, I hope they come back. I'm also looking forward to practical sets. Yes, I hope so. I hope we get... Lots of fun, practical sets. Oh, and alien makeup! I'm looking forward to really fun alien makeup designs because Babylon 5 was always very strong with that, even though it had less of a budget than Star Trek. And I imagine, of course, this will have less of a budget than Discovery. Of course, Discovery is like a fucking movie every episode. But I hope that they continue on coming up with creative but practical alien designs because some of my favorite alien designs, makeup-wise, are in Babylon 5 and. I really hope they really utilize that. And the one last point I want to make before chucking it over to you some more is, and I don't know if it's a Wachowski thing, and I think it may be, just from my limited um, relationship with JMS after Babylon 5, is I hope he leans into, and this show leans into, visual storytelling far more than the dialogue yeah. because as I love Worry Watching Babylon 5, but it's a very talky show. And that's okay because the dialogue is usually great, but I think to get with the times, I think it's okay to lean into the visual medium far more. Mm. That was one of the strengths of Sense8 was yeah. it, it knew when to be quiet sometimes and, and let the visuals and the filmmaking I tell the story th- as well.
1: I think that that's something that JMS has developed over time, mm. especially through the interactions with other ca- other creators like the Wachowskis, mm. is that sense of
0: does this need to be said? Yeah, rather than can this be shown creatively?
1: Yeah, because I think that, that that's shifted as JMS has worked on a lot of different projects as well. Because Mm. at his core, he is a writer, Mm -hmm. so his tendency is towards dialogue. Yeah. But I think uh, as he's gotten older and And worked with other people, he's developed more of a sense of, like, how can I write this without words as well as using the dialogue?
0: The most powerful stuff in B5 is often wordless. The iconic Londo's reaction to the bombing of Nan. You don't need a lot of dialogue. It's just visuals and his face, and that's all you need. And same with... Londo looking back on all of his choices he made in the end of season 5 there's lots of silent moments in Babylon 5 but I'm hoping that now with also a budget we can get filmmaking to really play around with that like Better Call Saul is a very talkative show as well but it also is very creative with it's camera work and visuals and sometimes there's just whole sequences without dialogue I'll always remember there's a a discussion Mm -hmm. they had in one of their podcasts for Better Call in which there was a whole comedic date scene that he was on, Mm -hmm. Jimmy McGill was on, but in the editing process they realised this didn't need to be heard. All they needed was music and uh, fades and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the more memorable sequences in that season in particular.
1: And lots of B5 episodes are duds because of the direction.
0: Oh, yeah. I hope that even though it's a CW, and I don't know what kind of catalogue of directors they get there, I hope, 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 hope that the direction can be a little bit more creative like it was in later seasons of Babylon 5. Although people don't love season 5 of Babylon 5, there was some really, really creative visual choices done by directors in B5. Like, uh, Amir Falan's husband directed a singular episode of Babylon 5, and I think... It's one of the best directed episodes, so I hope they know how to do that. Uh, you mentioned it—the LGBTQ plus themes that were very drowned out in the original run of the show—is mm-hmm. something that you're keen on seeing. Yep. Let's talk about that. You go. You go first. Tell us about what you're wanting from from that or hoping to get
1: just hoping to get good, valid, real, concrete representation mm. because like the the show had kind of soft representation like For that stuff, yeah. Yeah, like with Ivanova Talia. Uh, yeah, and Talia's sexualities at the idea of Dylan being trans that gets dropped.
0: Yeah, that was at least a conceptual idea. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, and I, I just want it to be there mm. but not for it to be what the character is about. Like, it's not like... That's the defining character oh, trait. That's that character and It's just like, oh, well, that's the only thing that they do. That's the only thing that they talk about. That's the only reason why they're on the show.
0: You don't have to say Hugh Colbert over and over and over again like that, Rachel. You don't have to say Adira over and over and over again like that, Rachel, from Star Trek Discovery, not Adira from Babylon 5. You don't have to keep saying those names over and over again to communicate that point. Jeez, Rachel. It was just, it was subtext there.
1: Sorry. Gray, 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 gray,
0: gray. 17 is missing. So, I completely agree. One of the things that I liked about B5 that I never thought about until I think, I do believe, and this may be my memory uh, filling in some gaps, but Richard Biggs, or at least JMS, talking about how Dr. Franklin was never the black guy on the show. That never no, was a part of his character. Is. He just is. And that is what we're hoping for in ways with the... If they do lean into representation, like if Delenn is uh, a trans character, of course you want that to be a part of the story. If they're going to do a whole thing of her, them or her, or whatever, transforming, you want it to be done in a way that is obviously speaking to something, just like Sense8 did with trans issues in that Mm. story as well. But if Ivanova is bisexual or gay outright, or Talia, you don't want them to be, I am just the gay character on the show. I'm gay, and that's it. You You want more nuances to them. You don't want it to be their trait, and that's it. And you just point and go, they're the gay character of the show. They're the token. They're the representation marker you want naturalism in there you just want it to be i want them i want the characters to
1: be written in the show not representation written into the show if that makes sense
0: yeah you you don't want it to feel grandstanding no and to feel sloppy like discovery does it i don't want and the cw is guilty of this queer baiting don't do that shit jms just don't do that shit just if you're going to if you are if the show is going to explore these or have that just do it and i think he would because obviously back in the 1990s he had to do that he had to subtly put it in there because of what network he was on and of the times and also his lacking knowledge of how to write these things himself as a writer Nowadays, I don't think he would be like that because he was stopped before. Now he can do it. Do it. Just mm. fucking do it. If you're going to do it, do it. Don't do some Hannibal bullshit where you start queer baiting around. Do what you did on Sense8 yeah. and open up with a dildo. <laughs> <laughs> and also, and,
1: and also on the swing side of that, don't lean too heavy into it and just make every character uh, something representation just because you can. Like if it makes sense for them and it works out that way and everybody in the ensemble is like neurodivergent or like differently abled Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or on the LGBTQ spectrum then that's fine Mm. but some shows that are like, we're representing, force everybody into a box. You don't
0: want Queer, f- you don't want Q-Force.
1: No, I don't want
0: Q-Force. <laughs> I don't want Q-Force to be 5 version. <laughs> what else are you excited about by this, or thinking that there's potential to be done better, or, or to be done new, or just, what are, you, what are you looking forward to? Oh,
1: I don't know. Like, There's one particular quote that I wanted to read out from uh, JMS's tweets because this one in particular gave me a lot of hope Mm. as, like, okay, I feel like this is happening for the right reasons Mm. and that there is creatively structure and integrity behind this happening Mm -hmm. which I'm just gonna read it out in full Mm. so true but for me it's part of the compact with the audience if they know that everything's there because it means something that it's not just forgotten the next day and there won't be any underground shifts cheats or faints they can relax and enjoy the story Mm. Yeah, and that made me go, okay, okay. He wants it's a going to be solid, and I'm gonna need to trust. Yeah, and just be ready to explore with the new show, and not be like, oh, I want it to be this way, or oh, that's not what I wanted. Mm-hmm. To be like, okay, this is a new story in a world that I know.
0: Yeah, I agree. One of the things that I found very compelling about reading or listening, I should say, to his JMS's autobiography is how much he has come to terms with mental health issues in his own life, whether it be from people around him or his own issues that he has had. And, I would love to see those aspects explored more in this run of the show because one of the things that's been really, uh, really hitting me when rewatching the first season is Sinclair's PTSD and how it's handled, but it's mm. handled very quietly. Mm. And I'm not saying that he needs to make it the front and center if he does this show, but, uh, I think there's more of a personal clarity he has about that side rather than a narrative clarity that I think that he could bring into the show and show us that high ranking professional captain commander types or your protagonists of your show could actually suffer from mental health issues and still be heroes because... That's a great message. It's one of the things that I love about Sinclair is Mm. even though he has mental health issues, he's still a competent character.
1: He's not a failure because he has issues with his mental health. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that dealing with those makes him stronger and makes him a better commander as well. And understandable
0: and relatable to the audience. Yeah, and which is
1: really empowering for myself and a lot of other people who watch B5.
0: This is an obvious thing. JMS and Babylon 5 and all of his work, uh, I would say, knows this, but it's obvious to state I'm looking forward to flawed, fucked up, selfish, arrogant characters. Yes. That are like that on purpose and the show is aware of that about them. Not fucking... Discovery or Doctor Who or even again Final Space to throw that one under the bus in which they use it for jokes I would love like Franklin for instance we we talk about in our upcoming episode on Believers that one of the things we love about Franklin is his flaws and arrogance as a character and how he has to go through a hellish torment to overcome those and to recognize those and I'm looking forward to flawed Fucked up characters like a Londo type or a Jacquard type. As long as it keeps a message about that. As long as there's a reason narratively and thematically, you're gonna have that. I don't want yeah. them just to be pricks for the sake of being pricks. Yep, because J- then you have J- nothing James to enjoy. Said no cheats. No cheats. No cheats there. I'm I'm looking forward and to that. I'm trusting him on his word. And I know this may be a surprise. It's a surprise to me, Mm. even. And it's not been his strong suit in the past with B5. Maybe it's improved. But I want some romance. I want some cute dates. I want to see some love in the show. I want to see characters smooch. I want to see characters give each other flowers. I want to see characters... I want to see the Catherine Sakai-Sinclair relationship as a full-fledged relationship in the show, like that type of relationship. I want to see that fully fledged in a way where I want to see a mature couple who's lived in. I want to see blossoming relationships Mm. romantically. I want to see the pitfalls of long-term relationships or new relationships. I want to see... That stuff, as well as the political wheeling and dealing and empires toppling and spaceships shooting at each other. I I want a bit of love. I want to be a, little, a little smoochy. Aww, a little bit of. Cutie. Love saves the day in the end type of deal. I want a little bit of that. Yeah, sure. Sure, I want that. As well as Londo's dicks. Better bring the dicks back. Or else canceling the show. Do you want to
1: see the full dicks? Do you want to see. Well, we kind of did. Them? We did. We, in- we just. We, we see, th- like, the one.
0: No, we see all six in Londo's heart attack episode when they open up his oh, shirt yeah. and they wrapped around him. So we do get his full dicks. But, like, we
1: extended, like, give erect, us,
0: I mean. Give us via dicks. <laughs> Just saying. Uh. Just saying. Now, that's all the positives. Mm. I have said many a times on this podcast on our discussion of Discovery, and in our Patreon episodes. I am not a huge lover or fan, and I'm usually opposed, if not always opposed, to dredging up these things and reanimating them and making them walk around. I have said in the past in our Patreon discussions that... I do not need to revisit Babylon 5's world outside of this original material because every time JMS has revisited this world after that original 5 season arc story it has been shit. Or disappointing. Or subpar. The book he wrote, the short stories or whatever, the the spin-off movies and Crusade. Yes, there's reasons for why some of those are shit that were out of his control, but then there are some that there are none that we know of and they were just shit. Lost Tales is shit. The Lost Tales sucked. And so I, although talking very highly and positively, is this what I want? Do I want a Babylon 5 reboot? Not really. No, but you're getting it. No, we're getting it, and I want to embrace it, but my honest reaction is, I don't want that. I am okay with letting things be. Some sci-fi fans really want more in this universe, because the world is so cool. The world is great, but the story was told. Look at Star Wars. Star Wars is constantly trying to wring stuff out of that world, but maybe the stories were told. Or maybe there are more news stories to tell, but boy, have they failed a lot. And it becomes more of an embarrassment every day in a lot of ways. And I don't know. B5 is something I love dearly. I don't want to be old school, like, don't mess with it. Because, sure, do what you want. Give us new stuff. Explore things that you didn't get to do before. But thus far, the track record of revisiting and reinvigorating this world after Sleeping in Light has been a shit show. It's just been a shit show to me. So I'm not thrilled with the idea of a reboot in general for most things, if I'm honest. I wasn't thrilled for a reboot of um, Doctor Who when it first came out, but then that swayed me. Even as a kid, I wasn't thrilled, but I was like, okay, let's see what it does. And same with Quantum Leap coming back. I'm not exactly 100% thrilled because I know it won't be what I want it to be which is Scott Bakula and Dean Stockwell going on adventures I know it's not going to be that but that's what I want it to be well with B5 I don't want any more. I was happy with where it was but people really want that stuff How is? what is your opinion on revivals, reboots reimaginations dredging these things up or bringing these things back because you are different to me how do you feel about it?
1: I About specifically Babylon 5 or just in general?
0: Both. Talk about both. Okay. So go with B5 for uh, Go with in general first and then how B5 relates or differentiates.
1: In general, I'm usually very dubious about reboots or like soft reboots or sequels. I'm always just a bit like really I'm sure that there's something that's new that needs to be told and a lot of the time they don't think of something new they just do the same thing again or too different like Picard and yeah well Picard's shit for a fuck ton of reasons <laughs> uh that being one of them but with Babylon 5 I'm like okay it's it's been a while I feel like there's something interesting that they can do here mm-hmm. and I'm reassured that they're saying something fresh is is coming but also like I'm hopeful but I'm not gullible, like, of of course he's going to say that. Of course JMS is going to say that it's going to be fresh, it's going to be new, Mm -hmm. and he's going to do his best. He says the same with Lost Tales. Yeah, especially when it's this early on in development where it's, like, it's just all in his head. Like, he hasn't really Um, shared any specifics because he doesn't have them to share uh, and, or, like, contractually, he can't explain anything.
0: And we don't know how much complete creative control he has and the limitations that the CW brings along for the ride. Because it's the CW. The CW have a certain set of standards that, uh, may not be palatable for us hmm. be five fans of yesteryear but we don't know if that's being enforced upon him or if he's got full creative control in the way that we would want him to but yeah but also
1: you need limits oh yeah like, you need the limits they're
0: I'll, okay I'm I'm going to bring up Gilmore Girls I was actually going to say Gilmore Girls Revival Show is an example of a reboot that you thought you wanted and then you got it.
1: Yes. Yes. And that was limited series for long episodes and the creators didn't have somebody to tell them no. And we got so much fucking bullshit
0: yeah.
1: in that series and like people had problems with the character of rory in the way that they dealt with Lorelai and luke's relationship but after a year in the life everybody's just like it was fine <laughs> what the fuck like rory was a bad person but now she's that bad mm-hmm. and wow was she always that entitled? And then you go back to the original show and you're like, No. Uh, yeah, kind of. Kind of? Yeah. Yeah, she was really a fucking brat a lot of the time and very in- entitled in thinking that, Mm. And self-centered, like the universe revolves around me because a lot of the time it fucking was with that show.
0: That was also an issue where that was a continuation and that's what the smart thing about this B5 reboot, to give it credit, is this is not a continuation because as an outsider to Gilmore Girls, and there's many other examples we could go through, the Halloween series for movies, for instance, a cast member or in Babylon 5's case, several are no longer with us, and the the parts that make the sum are gone. And with Gilmore Girls, you talked about it with me a lot. The dad not being in the show, like him having passed away, was a major component that was missing in that revival. And and that then they, they had least, to address it.
1: Yeah, they at least did that thing of like they worked that into
0: the story.
1: Yeah but it was also frustrating because, because they tried to replace
0: they, him with Ray Wise. <laughs>
1: not so much that. Uh but they didn't have an idea of what they wanted to do with that. They were just like, well we can't leave him out of the story or recast him so we have to make him die. It
0: was a concession. Yeah. rather than an actual need and that's why it's smart that this reboot isn't a continuation because we have so many cast members that are no longer with us and there's too many like, you, of them you, you, no longer with us so it's it's implausible to to try but
1: I think it's going to take a lot if they have a, a new version of Jakarta for me to ac- accept that that is i think the that thing. that like there are a lot of big hurdles mm-hmm. that are gonna come with this as well
0: yeah before we get into that kind of casting thing i just want to clarify i would be up f- i would be more excited if this was new characters new adventures in the b5 world but from my understanding and again everything's up in the air It sounds like we're recasting the old characters and using some components of the old story. I'm sure it will still be different enough, but I'm of that ilk of what Star Trek did, which is when Next Generation came around, it wasn't Kirk. Picard was different, and the and they became a better show once they stopped trying to emulate the 60s show. Yeah. DS9 was a good show, because it wasn't trying to be the next generation. Voyager struggled with that problem, and Enterprise, I can't even be bothered to try and explain where Enterprise failed in a lot of ways. And with Discovery, I was super excited by Discovery, as everyone knows if you listen, but once the show started to become obsessed with the grander things of sucking itself by being like, she's Spock's sister and all of this stuff, it started to lose me. And then Picard. I would want, with my sci-fi show, to have new characters, new adventures, new themes, new, new stuff. Maybe in a familiar world that I know with B5, the casting thing. Now, again... Up in the air. We don't know if it's going to be the case of the characters are all going to be there and they're all going to be recast by these things, or, or if, it'll if it's going to be the
1: simpson style thing of like those characters that no longer have like the actors aren't with us anymore, they'll be retired. Yeah,
0: those characters. That's what I was going to say. Like, if J. Because JMS in his autobiography, in his tweets, in the convention things, has always had such a strong relationship, devotion and love for the cast members and the cast members that played those original characters had a real feeling of ownership of them because JMS kind of imbued the real life people into the characters in lots of ways and of course they're actors they don't own these roles, other people can do these roles but someone else being Andreas like other than Andreas Katsulas doing Jakar It's a hard pill to swallow. It'll, like I said, it will take a lot for me to
1: accept a new Jakar.
0: My dream would be that those characters would be retired and they bring new characters to fill in their roles, Yeah, but are different to Jakar. Like, Jakar is not in the show, but they have a Jakar, like a non-ambassador who's rivaling, you know, and that kind of thing. Something like that, because he is... Not trying to replace. That's... Mm. I, I think that that's
1: our thing overall. We do not want this reboot to be trying to replace the original Babylon 5. We don't want them to redo the exact same storyline and yeah. the, the same cast. We want it to be, like, the 2020s version of Babylon 5. Yeah, yeah.
0: But Yeah, and I worry that JMS, who's very critical of his own work, could fall into the trappings of creators tinkering with their own work because they think they can do it better. And they've forgotten because of time marching on and their own personalities having changed and their own sensibilities having changed. And that sense of, I'm older now, I've got more under my belt, I'm better than I was in the past... Tinkering with the thing to the point of forgetting what the thing was in the first place. Here we have a nice clock and JMS in this has tinkered it and now it's a shoe rack. I liked it when it was a clock. It was functional. It told me the time. And so I'm worried that he could fall into that trapping with this. But this is, you know, if they do do the casting and they get someone as Jakar and they get someone as Delenn, we'll give those actors a chance. Because it's not on them. This is just the nature no. of the beast. And we they will give the writing a chance. It. But it's gonna be hard. We're gonna have yes. we're gonna have reservations. We're gonna have judgments because those actors owned those roles so well. Um one of the things I don't like, and this is more a reaction to this news And it makes me uneasy, and this isn't rational, but like one of the things that's really irked me is Mira Falan only died, only passed away rather rather suddenly for us, not so suddenly for the cast and crew of B5, but in a really surprising manner, earlier this year, and it hasn't even been a year since she's passed away, and people are already pitching who the new Delenn will be. And people are already pitching how they could make Delenn better. And people are already pitching, basically. Well, here's the new Delenn, and I don't know. It just feels so weird to yeah. me because she's she was one of the big cast members, and she's no longer with us. And she was a fan favorite. Everyone loved her at the convention. She seemed very nice. She was one of the best actresses in the show. You know, it's just weird to me. And I don't know if it's that thing of it's like it feels like it's too soon. That's just the nature of business as well. Like this is just how things are going to roll. And by the time they do casting, more time will have passed. But it does make my skin crawl uh, being on the internet and seeing people talk about how much better Delenn could be as a character now, and how much, uh, how many cool actresses could be this character. And it's just I don't know. It weirds me out because. It was only, you know, a few months back that everyone in the B5 community was mourning the loss of one of the essential cast members. And then thrilled that the HD remasters came along so we could all view this cast member's amazing work along with the other ones who have passed away. Like when we were starting our podcast, a part of us watching this too was to really admire Mira Falan's performance because that is a part of our rewatch experiences. There's certain cast members, certain characters, whether it be because the cast members have passed away, or we are really drawn to that character this time on the watch. We look at certain characters and certain cast members, specifically when we're rewatching it, to admire the work being done, whether it's in the script or the acting. It just makes me feel weird, you know, just talking about casting all these people, and especially Mira Falan, you know, DeleN, it's... It's just odd. It's it's not, you know, completely fair on JMS. It's a lot on his shoulders. But, like, it is something of a reaction to this news that just hmm, doesn't sit well with me. That's, that's what I'll say. Other than that, there's just the reservation of it's the CW. People are really up in arms about it being the CW. As non-Americans, as just Australians, we don't get the CW. <laughs> Really?
1: No, uh, we don't get the pure CW, but we do see the CW effect.
0: Yeah, and the CW has a reputation for low quality, and that does fill me with dread, but I don't care, because Babylon 5 lived on networks that weren't necessarily reputable enough either, no. So I don't think it matters, honestly. And if he is allowed to have a bit more of a budget than he did back in the day, fuck it. He'll it'll be fine. And as we've stated many times, Babylon 5's lower budget has never been an issue for us. As long as the stories and the characters and the themes are coherent, as well as the writing... It doesn't matter if the special effects look like a PlayStation 1. It doesn't matter if you can see the seams of the makeup or the set, the cracks in the set. As long as the writing and the characters and the acting are good, then it doesn't fucking matter you that it's on the CW.
1: Because you're caught up in it.
0: Yeah, and there are some shows that I have heard... On the CW that aren't too bad, like people do, like uh, Legends of Tomorrow. I've never watched it, but I don't care that it's on the CW. But it does feel like a monkey's paw situation. Yes. It's like you want a Babylon Five show and everyone's singing HBO Max, of course, CW, and you're like, ugh. It is one of those things where you hear CW and you react because the CW also has a
1: reputation It
0: well earned. Low quality. It's the place of Riverdale. Are we going to have teen angst, romance, trauma, bullshit in Babylon 5? I don't think we are, but the CW has that brand. The
1: main reservation that I have with the CW attachment is that, for me at least, part of its reputation is that it makes shows go on longer than they need to go on, and Mm. I do not want that to happen to Babylon 5.
0: Oh, well, who'll get his five-season arc? Because they always go for five seasons and more on CW. But yeah, I worry. Here's something, too, that I haven't thought about. Are you at all interested? If this is a success, if it's good quality and a success, are you wanting a television... Universe, universe like how the Marvel uh, things do it or yeah. how their DC shows do it or it has how TV shows and all these shows want to do. Do you want or how they tried to do with B five with Crusade and with Legends of the Rangers? Are you wanting there to be a B five show and then separated to a B five show, there's a Rangers show and then like, do you want B five to be what Star Trek was in the nineties?
1: At do the you, moment I say no I say no, because, like, that's shooting for the stars. Mm-hmm. But, but
0: it's the business.
1: It, it, it is. It is. And I don't... I want it to be good.
0: Yeah, it's good.
1: I want it to be good. And I don't know if they can juggle that much and make it all good.
0: No. I think that's it for the B5 reboots. I don't think there's much else to say. There's lots of disparate elements, lots of rumours, lots of hearsay, lots of things going in the works. But those are the main kind of thoughts. Mm -hmm. I'm excited and I'm... The best way... Trepidatious! The best way I described it and described it on Twitter is uh, Lanier and Veer talking about their ambassadors and just saying... It makes them nervous. I'm very nervous. And that's how I feel. I feel nervous in both I'm excited, I'm excited, and I'm afraid that they're going to fuck it up. I'm excited that they're going to do well, and I'm afraid they're going to fuck it up. But my golden rule is if if it's done well, we get a good sci-fi show to Mm -hmm. watch. If it's done bad, we still have the old sci-fi show, but now more people will be aware of its name and maybe check it out. I hold that with a grain of salt because everyone has said that to me about those Star Trek movies and (laughs) barely anyone I fucking know ever checked out Uh, the Star Trek shows. Barely anyone I ever know actually checked out those fucking Star Trek shows, but it does happen. So that is a benefit. That is. Okay.
1: Well, I think that there's one more important thing Mm. that we need to note. Yes. Yes. No one escapes
0: the spoo. Oh, no, no. He's got, he's got to bring back the spoo. No,
1: no, he said that.
0: He will bring back the spoo. Good, good. No, 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 no one escapes the, the spoo is a quote from his Twitter. Awesome. I have an email here. We don't do emails on our thoughts on, but we got an email that I thought would be good for this discussion because it's a lot about technical, like TV, landscape stuff. So I thought. We'll talk about it here instead of waiting a couple of weeks for when our episode would come out, since we're you know recording this kind of rather uh rather on the fly. So I have an email from our good friend Alan, who was in our Death Walker episode discussion. He was from from Chats to Television podcast. He has an email for us that reads: the title is Babylon Five and what we want from sci-fi. Oh, Alan. You you sent this email before the reboot news, so you have a lot of um, omniscience here. So he writes...
1: Maybe he's a JMS patron, because they yeah? kind of got a... a he- sneaky. They got a heads up that big news was
0: coming. Yeah, so Alan writes, Happy yum-yum, Rachel and Ryan. Thank you. Oh, that's something. Do you want them to have a character say yum-yum inextricably in the show? I do. And I want it to be Nograth. Just saying. <laughs> So uh, Alan says, and I'll read the full email out, and then we will talk about the questions in it. Just wanted to shoot an email to say that I loved hearing the chats kid on the pod. That's them. Good job, Alan. I liked hearing it too. Uh, they brought a really fun and sharp insight to the Deathwalker discussion. My main question this week is about how B5 matches up to modern sci-fi television. While The Expanse is generally considered the most successful, currently airing science fiction series, I'm noticing less and less competition. What do you think it was about the 80s and 90s that gave us such good sci-fi, and why aren't more TV networks today buying shows like B5? Oh, the CW has an answer for that, uh, because they just bought B5. Uh, No, they already had it in a way because it's part of Warner Brothers. Um... I think nerds are very quick to obsess over new, exciting properties. Are you sure, Alan? They seem to be obsessed over the old ones. Um, But it seems like there is much less sci-fi on TV these days. Is it the streaming environment or our emphasis on quick, disposable disposable television not making room for five-season arc kind of shows? Or is it the high-budget associated with these shows? I always miss B5, and I wish dearly to have a show like it to watch week by week as it airs, but nothing so far has filled that hole. Much love to you both, and be well, Alan I. Alan, well, they're going to fill that hole real soon. So there's a lot to unpack there. Alan's asking a lot of questions. In a way, this reboot kind of negates some of them or kind of answers them, maybe, one day. But uh, let's talk about... The question of the week, which is is about how B5 matches up to modern sci-fi television. How modern sci-fi television matches up to what B5 was doing back in the day. Mm. Right? Yeah. B5 had a plan. I think that's the big difference. Yes. It's not adapting something. Nope. And it has a clear plan. Now, there are shows with plans, like Sense8 obviously had a plan, and same with the OA had a plan. But I think when it came to the 80s and 90s, the sci-fi genre was the market because Mm. of, and I don't mean to generalize, there's lots of contributing factors, but Star Wars was a big thing. And trends are cyclical. Mm -hmm. Because, hey, fantasy came back in fashion with Game of Thrones and all of that and and that kind of thing. So it's not completely off the table. But back in the late 70s, we got Star Wars. And that became the marketable thing. So what happened? Star Trek was trying to make something and then they made the movie. And then we had all the Star Trek movies. So now we had two big sci-fi juggernauts that were then controlling the market, and everyone was trying to make their own. We got Battlestar Galactica, the obvious Star Wars ripoff, but it became its own thing. It gained its own personality. People loved it. Then you had shows like V, and then you had so many during the 80s and 90s, because TVs and film studios and networks were all trying to get... In that market. cash. They were trying to get that cash. And it allowed creatives like JMS and and like Gene Roddenberry and co. To come back with Star Trek. It allowed JMS with stuff like this. And it allowed so many people, even the X-Files, to come in with these weird genre shows. And bring them in and fill up that quota. We want to have our Star Wars show. So here's Battlestar Galactica. We want to have our Star Trek show. So here's this right we want to have this so in the 80s and 90s and and this is simplifying there's lots of factors but star wars is a big money maker and Mm. cultural impact and it did affect things star trek was affected it came in and they made their movie it wasn't trying to be star wars but it did impact them making that movie and making several other movies Mm -hmm. after and the competition between the two sci-fi juggernauts, Star Wars, Star Trek, and thus that spawned all of these things. I mean, it would be blind not to say that Babylon 5 is clearly Star Trek-inspired in yes. lots of ways. Uh, we know that it's not DS9-inspired because we, we, we understand that, but I think in the 80s and 90s, there was just this juggernaut rolling forward of those things happening that created an interest in those. And with Star Trek coming back on television, Rachel, it cornered the market. There was no big sci-fi shows that even came close to dominating TV like it did back then. You had B5, but it was an underdog. Barely any people have seen it. That's why it's a relatively small fandom in the grand scheme of sci-fi. Uh, Sci fi TV. I mean, it's got its followers as we can tell by our numbers, but like it's not Star Trek level. It's not that level, but it existed because Star Trek and several other things were able to exist on TV, Hmm. able to show that the genre brought in audiences. Yes, and that's when you get in the later part of the 90s and 2000s, we got tired. We Mm -hmm. had Star Trek for so long and we had Babylon 5 and we had all these shows for a while and the network started to want to meddle with them more. That's where you get the weirdness of Enterprise or the weirdness of Crusade, where the networks or the times were changing and things wanted to be rearranged because we have lived with this type of television being popular for quite some time. Yep. You know, it's one of one of those things And I think one of the things to say here is that, you know, nerds obsess over new, exciting properties. Do they? Do they, really, though? Or do they obsess over new properties within the old? Because I am not going to paint too broad of a brush, but there's so many interesting science fiction shows and podcasts out there that give barely any spotlight from the community because they're too obsessed with new Star Trek or too obsessed with new Star Wars or too obsessed with a B5 reboot, then nostalgia is very strong. I've heard more people talk about how interesting the queer representation is in Doctor Who and not even talk about the OA at all, which is embarrassing because, you know, it's undersaturated, the new stuff, because... The uh, the new stuff that's made from old, old stuff has that staying power. We watch it more because it's a thing I know, and it will hopefully recapture the thing I liked about it from my youth. Wouldn't you agree, Rachel? Yep. Like, what's a new sci-fi show that you've watched that isn't attached to some old thing?
1: I can't think of any.
0: Right? Um, but you know they exist.
1: Yeah. Like... When you were reading out the email and, uh, like, it mentions the idea of, like, is there just not new sci-fi? Is it just because, like, we don't pay enough attention? And I think that that is part of it because we are so saturated with media and it – takes less mental energy to mm. watch something that you already know or you already have a connection to. It's yeah. more of a gamble to try something new.
0: And I think with these beloved sci-fi properties, we're seeing this with Star Trek, we're seeing this with Star Wars, we're seeing this a lot is they corner the market because they're well known and they amass the audiences of loyalty because their prestige, they've been around for the beginning of time, it feels like. But they are far more corporatized and industrialized than stuff like Sense8 was. than stuff like the OA was. Then stuff like Final Space was. These are no longer just sci-fi shows. They are properties they are brands and we have to have the show out so that this show is out every day of the year. Like I lost my mind when I heard from my sister that, Oh, they're going to be a Marvel show every week for the year. And that, that made me sick to hear that. I I felt sick Mm. hearing that, but that's the thing. And it grains these, uh, loyal fan bases. So new stuff like, uh, like the OA I keep mentioning slips through the cracks In a lot of ways, because I don't agree that um, the nerds are very quick to obsess over new, exciting things. They're obsessed with old things. And then when there's something like The Expanse, never forget The Expanse got cancelled and it had to get brought back by someone else. And The Expanse is an adaptation of pre-existing material, mm-hmm. whether it follows it coherently or not, that brings in a fan base. The Expanse is not a wholly original series that came out of nowhere. It's not B5. No. B5 was new and fresh and came from the mind of one guy. The Expanse is from books. So there was a loyal fan base because books. Yeah. There was already buy-in. Mm-hmm.
1: And there there's one particular thing that I want to bring up with that discussion... Which is, there are so many shows, so many shows that are like, oh, this sci-fi show you've been sleeping on, mm-hmm. and that happened so fucking much with Sense8, Yeah, and we did that. Mm-hmm. We went, oh yeah, that, 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 that looks pretty good, we like those creators, and we just didn't watch it.
0: Well, yeah, okay, so I disagree and agree with what you're saying like with Sense8 I disagree with that because I had issues with it before I wanted to watch it like I don't like the Wachowskis all that much and I thought the marketing was uh very bland and boring and didn't tell me much mm-hmm. and yeah but I do agree because with- they were trying to play it safe yeah and they weren't trying to tell you much yeah and I think you know Alan asks is it the streaming environment and our emphasis on quick disposable tv not making room no I don't think so. Quibi would have succeeded if it was. No, I don't think so. I think people are invested in these long story arcs. Game of Thrones, yes, it shit the bed, but did it dominate? Yes, it did. Yes, it did. And The Expanse is one of the ones heralded because it is doing these ongoing threads, from my understanding. And so I don't think it's that, but I do think the streaming format does bring issues. One of the issues, I think, and Rachel, I'll be keen to hear your thoughts on this, is why shows like Star Trek, The Next Generation, and Babylon 5 has uh, a knowledge is there was less stuff on at the time. There was not 15 million networks on at the time trying to vie for us to watch them, and that's a part of the streaming format. There are sci-fi shows on streaming formats that I don't even know fucking exist that are on, and thus I don't know that. There's just so much more availability to watch stuff on. There's so many different channels, so many different networks, so many different streaming services. so much saturation. And so that does, the streaming format and the evolution of TV, bring forth seasons upon seasons of shows that exist that I didn't even know of. Like, I didn't know... That the OA was a show uh, until I watched it, and then uh, because I got told that it was a show worth checking out, and I was like, okay, and I watched it, and I found out it was on years ago, and like, oh, I didn't even know about this. Why didn't I know about this? This is in a Netflix show, isn't it? There's a large saturation problem. Like, Rachel, you, for instance, mm-hmm. watched a show with a creator that is a big sci fi legend did Battlestar Galactica, Ronald D. Moore, did the out, did Outlander. Yes. I didn't even know that show existed. And I didn't even know that a sci-fi writing legend was in charge of that show. Yeah. Where was it available for us? Netflix. Is it a Netflix-produced show, or is it one of those ones where they bought it in for international rights?
1: They bought it in for international rights, mm-hmm. which also means that you have to... You, I at least for the last couple of seasons, you had to wait quite a while before it would appear on Netflix, mm-hmm. which led to me missing a whole season coming out, and I thought that it had been cancelled wrongly, and it, I was like, oh, okay, there's a, a whole new season that I yeah. I guess I haven't watched because like I jumped off Netflix to watch one season that wasn't on Netflix, and then... I, saw it come up, and I was like, oh, wait, I've watched that season. I was like, wait, how many seasons have I watched?
0: Availability and knowledge of availability is a major issue that strikes with the sci-fi community of TV because I actually think there's lots of great sci-fi television happening right now, but you find out about it a season or two later, and then you go, well, I'll wait for it to finish. And the sad thing is, you wait for it to finish, that means that maybe it gets cancelled because nobody's watching it. And that's the thing, is there are things... for Okay, we're Australians. We don't have all of these streaming services, all these networks. We don't have HBO Max. I can't watch the B5 remasters without having to buy them digitally again. Buy them digitally like, or go... I've just spent over $100 to get the things I own on DVD.
1: VPNs do exist, but...
0: No, but we still can't the- get HBO Max because we yeah. still have to have an American credit card. and yeah. like so, so that makes it difficult for international viewership as yes! well in a lot of ways. There's shows... And
1: like I've made it very clear that I think geoblocking is idiotic and outdated.
0: Yeah, and the networks that do own sci-fi as their thing, like the Sci-Fi Channel... Like the CW, the quality is extremely low, and thus it makes the genre and feel highly variable. And thus makes the genre feel uh, um, unreliable. Mm. I watched Killjoys, for instance, a Sci-Fi Channel show, five seasons long, has an ongoing story arc in it. Would I describe it as good? No, but would I describe it as worth watching? Sure. Because it's trying to do something, but it's not high quality science fiction. It's just okay. It was fun. I had a good time with it. It had stories. It had characters. But would I ever watch it again? No. But it was the best that was on offer yeah. at the time. But that, that you knew about. That I knew about. And then there's shows like uh, Ronald D. Moore's added again with a show called For All Mankind. Wh- what? Cha- where? Where can I get that? Apple TV Plus. Who the fuck has Apple TV Plus? I don't know a single person who does. I didn't even know it existed until I had to look this show up and find where it was on, and then I went Apple TV+. Plus.
1: Oh, you knew from Red Letter Media. That's right,
0: that's right. Red Letter Media makes fun of it too. And so I think it isn't even a budget thing as well, because Babylon 5 did not need a high budget to communicate its story. So I don't think the budgetary constraints of the genre is necessarily needed if there are people who know how to use the budgetary constraints. JMS did know how to use it. Killjoys did know how to use it. Doctor Who! Doctor Who! Doctor Who knows it's a cheap show. And they still managed to Yeah, it, it's kind of shit, but they still managed to do science fiction stories and still be one of the most beloved and successful science fiction shows on the it landscape. Work. You can make it work.
1: It takes effort, dedication and craftsmanship but you can make it work
0: the thing is there are plenty of great science fiction shows and properties out there it's just you have to we are forced to investigate to find them
1: yeah, it's a lot of leg
0: work it's a lot of leg work it is a ton of leg work and, and that is it
1: feels kind of contrarian because we are in a world where so, so much advertising is delivered to us.
0: Yes, yes. So
1: we don't expect to have to go looking for what we want because in so many ways it's delivered
0: to us. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's just a tough landscape for that genre. But there are good things there. They're just a lot more underdogs. Babylon 5 was an underdog when it came out. And it's sustained as that, in a way. Like, us fandoms of B5 love it because it has this underdog quality, a scrappy quality, and managed to get its story done and still managed to not get squashed by Star Trek. And that's a lot of these shows. Rarely are we going to have runaway smash hit sci-fi television shows that aren't something that isn't related to something pre-existing because look what CBS does with the Star Trek franchise. Look how much of a fucking domination they have on the uh, advertising of that. I'm not even fucking in America and I know about Paramount Plus and how much they're trying to make Star Trek this big thing. You know, it's it, it's very intimidating, but the sci-fi genre is still strong and still living. In movies, it's very well done at the moment. We've got Denis Villeneuve is doing lots of stuff that's really good, even if it's adaptations of things. We've got podcasts. Audio dramas is where mm-hmm. good science fiction is at. Mars Corp. Uh, Wolf 359. Uh, you know, there's several others I could list off, but sci-fi genre is still strong and alive, but it is being... Uh, restrained by a lot of these ongoing factors and one of the things i think is a major issue is marketing they don't know how to market some of these shows like some of the shows in the defense are too esoteric and hyper specific i don't know who i'd recommend the oa to yeah i liked it but Mm -hmm. i don't know i don't know how to pitch that show like i could i don't know if i could pitch it to you rachel like
1: I watched it and I didn't... Well, I watched the first two seasons and I didn't like it.
0: The only two seasons. And, yeah, like, I liked it. I thought it was good. Don't know how to pitch it. B5, at least it's a show when I watched it, oh, I know exactly who I could pitch this to. Yeah. Sometimes that's the thing, too, of the marketing doesn't know how to pitch these really esoteric yeah. shows, so they go on the wrong track and lose the essence of what would bring in an audience or would bring in a fan base.
1: I will say... Genres need to look different at different times as well. Like, it can't be the same sci-fi as it was in the 90s because, mm-hmm. A, that's not how sci-fi works. It's always harping on the political ideologies and issues or at the issues, time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, two, that would be so fucking boring. And, mm-hmm. three... We have these avenues that have opened up like audio dramas that have a lower barrier to entry Mm -hmm. and allow a wider range of creators to get their stories out there.
0: Yeah. I hope that answers some of the stuff you're asking there, Alan. And again, the irony being, well, there's going to be a B5 show potentially in the future to fill that B5 hole for you, but there are shows out there. It is just you have to bend over fucking backwards to find them and make concessions on the quality as well. Like, some of them are, it's okay for what it is. There is that level. Like, Killjoys, it's good enough, not great good enough. So that's my takeaways. Rachel, a pleasure talking. All of this exciting, fun news will, of course be back to regular stuff on all of our feeds but this is just something we wanted to get out there because people are curious you can find us on all those social medias, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit Tumblr, TikTok, all of them we're doing stuff on all of them so make sure to follow us make sure to rate and review us on whatever podcatcher you're on you have to you have to, this is a demand, this is JMS now speaking You have to rate and review us on whatever podcatcher you have. That's my JMS voice. Rate and review us on whatever podcatcher you use if it allows you to do so. This episode of Our Thoughts On is a part of a series that we do on our Patreon. So... Come on over to our Patreon in which you can hear us dive into our thoughts on other pieces of media, other television shows, other movies, other video games, podcasts, whatever it is. We have a plethora of other content on there. It would be greatly appreciated. See, if you're listening to this on the main feed, you would have been able to hear this a little bit earlier than you're hearing it now. So, mm, come support us on Patreon. It would be greatly loved and it would make us feel good. It would make us want to do a reboot of our own podcast within like a 30 year span of time within that span of time, so there you go. Uh, Rachel we don't say this at the end of our thoughts on, but uh, you know since we're talking about B5 Mm -hmm.
1: Good eating to you.
0: Good eating to you They better bring that back Ah, Mr. Kenaboldy